Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Good afternoon, everybody. It's been a long day. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Tom Stevens, and we are coming at you with a great topic today. This show is all about therapy. It's all about counseling. It's all about helping families and relationships get better and stronger. And we have one lined up for you today that you're not going to want to miss. It's about the love languages. We talked about that last time but it's the love languages for children today. We tend to think of love languages as, well, as a guy, you know, we don't tend to really pay a lot of attention to love languages because we think, ah, that's too touchy-feely. But love languages are critical because it's how each of us people care about us. And last time we spoke with Samantha Ritter about relationships, marriages, couples, and how they communicate with each other. But today... We are going to talk with a special guest specifically about children, and that does include teenagers, but children and how they love each other and how, uh, well, love them. But children do this really well if you watch them because they learn to communicate with other children by playing with them, by saying nice things to them, by making special gifts even as early as preschool, because they want to show somebody else they care about them. And this shouldn't be taken lightly, because love languages are the key to everyone feeling cared about and for us to know how we feel cared about. So with all that said, let me tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Tom Stevens. I'm a psychotherapist here in Houston, Texas. I've been in practice for 20 years and have spent a lot of that time working with children and their families And I thought, what better way to bring the knowledge and the information that I talk to people about every day out to the world than doing a talk show? And so this show is geared specifically for you, especially today if you're a parent, uh, if, if you work with or around any children. It could be in a school setting, a preschool setting, uh, nieces, nephews, grandchildren. This is a perfect show for you because it's going to help you learn how to communicate in a whole new way with children 
and they will feel better and they will like you more because of it. With that said, let me give you the number because if you want to call in and ask a specific question today or make a comment or tell a story, this is your chance. The phone number is area code 347-838-9737. Once again, area code 347-838-9737. If you want to make a comment or ask a question, all you do when the lady answers that phone is push the number one. It will put you in the queue. I will see you pop up, and we will get you on the air to talk with myself and my special guest, Barbara Huber, uh, as quickly as we can. If you just want to listen to the show on your phone because you're driving in your car, dial that number, 347-838-9737, and just let it sit, and you can listen to the entire show uh, hands-free and get some good information and some good entertainment at the same time. So love languages is what we're going to dive into today. Next week's going to be a great show because we're going to get into social media, y'all. Social media, especially around teenagers, but even social media for younger children. How young is too young for children to have iPods, iPads, cell phones, apps on their phone, Instagram, Twitter, Flickr, Tumblr, Facebook, all those different things. We're going to get down and dirty with that next because there are apps coming out every single day. Parents know when they should be following their children and how exactly they should be following their children. So we're going to get some parents on for that show, which you are not going to want to miss at all. So without further ado, let me dive in. To our special guest today, her name is Barbara Huber. She is a licensed professional counselor intern. She works right here in my practice, does a phenomenal job at working with children and their families, and kind of started uh, way back for her when she realized, you know what, I want to be able to help people, and the only way I can do it is probably to go to school and like a degree and get credentialed to do it. So she actually has a master's degree in guidance and counseling from Texas State University and uh, really good at knowing what the love languages are for children. So I want to bring her on now. Barbara, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, welcome to the show. I want to ask you, first of all, if you can explain to everybody, like, what got you started? Because people ask me this all the time as a therapist. What makes a good therapist, and how do you get started being a therapist? And so for you... How far back does it go? Like, when did you get the bug and think, I want to do this? Oh, a good question. Um, back in 2006 and 2007, I was working at a children's home with children who had been, for one reason or another, removed from their families. Uh, so it was a foster care situation kind of on a large scale. And I saw a lot of love languages that were obviously malnurtured. So they came mm-hmm. out in really negative ways, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Okay, so, so tell me this. I want to ask you a question real quick. When it came to working with children, does it take a special kind of person to work with children? Because parents are all different, and they come to you to ask about their children so what do you what is your special like gift at working with children and how do you I would say mostly how do you communicate to parents 
that children do matter. They have feelings. They have, um, uh, well, feelings, and they need to be paid attention to, especially when they're hurt, frustrated, angry, or upset. Well, it it is a really um, tricky balance sometimes trying to get parents to really understand because all they see is the overwhelming negative behaviors or sadness that their children are experiencing. So they kind of miss some of the clues and cues to what the child really needs. So I like to kind of take them back and try and get them to remember what it was like to be a child because mm-hmm. we forget as adults. We really forget. That's an interesting thing uh, that you say because that ties right into the love languages, doesn't it, and how um, – well, before, tell me a little bit about that. Just the love languages, they were developed to help us do what? And I, I want you to – kind of list out the five love languages first and tell me, like, why are they important? Because why these five? Well, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, the five love languages uh, theory was kind of developed by Gary Chapman and um, Rick Osborne and uh, Ross Campbell. And these are doctors who looked at how do people feel loved and how do people show love. So they, in studying people, realized there's basically five ways that people feel and show love. Um, And then they developed this theory around these five different languages of love. Uh, One of those languages, I'll go ahead and list them out here for you, uh, receiving gifts and acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, and physical touch. Those are the five. Okay, and there's a book written about this, and there's lots of information out there about this. And I think the number one thing that I see parents struggle with is, okay, what do all these really mean? Like, what is the importance? Of course all kids want gifts. And, you know, of course kids want, you know, us to spend time with them. And, of course, kids love a hug. And But what what is what are these five things trying to narrow us down to? What will it help parents understand about their children? It will help them understand, if they can figure out what their child's love language is, it will help them understand what children place the most importance and power in. So for some... It's going to be words. Words can be very powerful, as we all know, but some people place more emphasis on words and more importance on what a person is saying. Um, And are words more like, oh, hey, buddy, you're the best, man, you're the best baseball player ever, Um, and oh, girl, honey, you're so pretty, and you're always so beautiful, or is it some other kind? Like, what, what words are you talking about? It's not just compliments. Um, It's also words that communicate, I understand exactly what you're thinking and feeling right now. So when a child is sad, just say it. I can tell you're really sad right now. And that to the child tells, those words tell them 
okay, my mom, my dad, this person really gets what I'm feeling right now. And it helps yeah, them not feel alone in whatever they're feeling. That's really good because I think a lot of times parents underestimate how how powerful their words are. And, Barbara, you work with parents and you work with children every day. So, you know, talk just a second about the power of words, and that can be negatively as well as positively, like, and how important the message parents will say to their children are in words. Right. Um I find I, I found that a lot of children their love language is words because they're beginning children are really just kind of beginning to develop what their love languages are and it really needs some guidance. So trying them all out on children is real important. But um going back to the words, if a child is especially um geared towards words of affirmation, then any kind of criticism is taken very harshly and it it is more stinging to a child who puts more emphasis on words. So being able to wrap your criticism in love and patience when you still have to correct your child and give them some feedback is really important to not crush them and keep their minds and spirits open to what you're saying. The other side of um, words of affirmation, and I'll touch on this too some a little later as we go on, each of the love languages kind of has a negative side to it when you realize, okay, words of affirmation are powerful. Quality time is powerful. Physical touch, acts of service, receiving gifts, those are all powerful tools, but they can also be used as powerful weapons. So keeping in mind that a child whose love language is, for example, words of affirmation, they may use their words to be more cutting and try and get at you or their siblings or their friends they can be ver- very verbally aggressive because they know how powerful words are to them. So that's what they'll try and utilize. And on the same token, they can also be very sensitive to teasing, even if it's just in fun or, like I said, criticism. They're very, very sensitive just to the power of words. And on the same kind of scale, physical touch, if that is a child's love language, I've noticed um, just in all the children that I've worked with, it is so common that those whose love language is physical touch will be physically aggressive if they are angry. Mm -hmm. And so they will use that, again, their love language, and flip it around and they can use it for more of a, a weapon. Mm-hmm. or a defense mechanism. So tell me what you think the biggest issue is for parents today when it comes to raising children. It is definitely trying to remember what it was like to be a child. It's impossible as adults for us to forget all of the information 
and experiences that influence our thinking and our emotions, kind of how we reason through life. So we tend to expect children to just get it as if they were little adults. Mm -hmm. But, however, their emotions and reasoning skills are still developing, and they don't even understand what they are thinking and feeling. They need help to learn what to do with all of those emotions. And some of those emotions can get confused. Uh, Oftentimes, they are aching for love and are just not receiving it despite our best efforts to show it. But that's probably because we're speaking different love languages. And and so, okay, my thing today is going to be that kids are, are probably way too entitled and way more spoiled than they have before because we have more in this world. Things are turned on more and technology is on more. What do you think parents need to do differently today than let's say, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago. Well, 20 or 30 years ago, there was limited shows on television. There was limited time. You couldn't record everything that you want to watch. You couldn't just have endless hours of entertainment electronically at your fingertips. So you were kind of forced to spend more time with your family. Mm -hmm. You have an electronic device with you at the dinner table. Uh, Very, very few people had them in, you know, on on road trips in the car. So they were just naturally each other's entertainment. So people really spent more quality time together because they weren't so distracted. Mm -hmm. I say turn off the devices. Yeah, that that is a... um... Speaking of that, getting into next week's topic with the social media, but kids have devices all the time. Now, here's my thing. If they have devices all the time and they're talking all the time uh, to other people through text a lot of times instead of voice, does that mean kids' love languages are changing now because they're not actually talking face-to-face or on the, the phone even as much with people, but they're doing it more through social media? Or uh, are kids' love languages pretty primitive? And if I take you out on a vacation to the cabin in the woods where there is no um, electronic hookup, will we then start communicating differently, you know? Isn't that the lesson that Hollywood tries to teach us with all these family bonding movies? Get them out in the, in the wilderness away from, their, away from their electronics and the kids will go crazy at first, but everybody ends up just happy and in love with their family again at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go quite so smoothly or quite so insanely as some of the movies depict, but it is a start. We so we've talked to our families. And we've talked a little bit about words of affirmation, but give me the idea of quality time because a lot of dads out there will say quality time, you know, I go out and I play ball with my son or or um, we go for a workout at the gym, or we shoot baskets in the backyard. But I've also seen some kids tell me, you know, that's great and all, but but that's not as much quality time as I'd rather sit with Dad and watch a movie, or I'd rather us go to the bookstore. Like, you know, some of us tend to love the way we think it means something, not the way somebody else needs it, especially children. Right, Exactly. And for parents, they they kind of assume that their children are going to have the same love language, even if it's a subconscious assumption because not everybody's aware of love languages. But they assume Mm -hmm. that 
that the way they're trying to show their child that they love them, that the child should get it. Mm-hmm. But what what we found is that the parent who is with the children more, the stay-at-home mom or the stay-at-home dad, they tend to be a little more intuitive to what it is the child's responding to. Um, predominantly, okay, so can, can moms I know I'm cutting you off because I, you just made me think of this with the mom and dad. Is there a difference the way moms love their children compared to dads loving their children? Yes. Moms tend to be more of a nurturing, Just that's how women are. We love to nurture, uh, do things for people, um, words of encouragement, those tend to be ones, you know, the acts of service, words of affirmation, those tend to be what women tend towards, whereas men are more of a quality time, let me buy you a present. So they, those, while it doesn't hold true with every person, it tends to be some, some love languages tend to be more dominated by certain sexes. So with that in mind, it's really important to try out different love languages, whether you're mom, whether you're dad. Try them on your children and see what they respond to. And if you're the yeah. primary parent with them the majority of the time, you got to communicate to your spouse, hey, I noticed that little Johnny really enjoyed when I left him a note in his lunchbox today. I think his love language might mm-hmm. be receiving gifts because gifts don't necessarily mm-hmm. mean a present. It's just a token, something, a little memento that shows this person was thinking about me, caring about me, remembering me. That, that is the thing that is so important, isn't it, that we tend to think of gifts as presents at Christmas or on their birthday, but receiving gifts sometimes can be actually a memento that uh, I remembered you talking about and uh, like in my counseling office, there have been times where uh, people have left. They've either gone to college or they've moved to a different state. And before they leave, let's say they were in my office every week and they, I have these squeeze balls in my office for stress and they just kind of squeeze them while we talk to each other. And I may give them one of those squeeze balls when they leave with a candy bar that was kind of their favorite candy bar. And that right. was a way for them to carry it with them when they move and leave so they'll always remember Tom. It's not some magical gift and not some big extravagant thing, but I think parents sometimes get lost in that. Oh, absolutely. And because they get so focused on that's what a gift is, they forget to do the little things. They often forget to leave little notes for their children or mm-hmm. just, you know, hey, I picked this little snack up for you, like, the candy bars at the store, just little things to show them and remind them, hey, mom and dad were thinking of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I want people to hear that main message you send that it really is about the relationship connection. And um, I think also what you're saying is children communicate a little bit differently. And so there are times we have to study them a little bit more to see what's important. And that's why I mentioned the preschool example. You'll see kids make things for each other or 
um, go up, and, and some kids like to touch other people. And the touching piece really is the physical connection, right? I mean, if you can talk about the touch, yeah. like what does that mean? Does that mean hugs? Does that mean holding hands? Does that mean, you know, staying close to people? What is it? What is the touch part? The touch part, yeah, it's, it can be hugs. It can be pats, just sitting close having some kind of grounding connection to another person. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I believe fully that we were created to to fulfill in each other this sense of community and belonging. So to have that tangible connection with somebody where you can touch them and they can hug you back or shake your hand, it's just all signs of, hey, we're, we're connecting here. Mhm. Yeah, that's but good. But that can also because, that can also be communicated through facial expressions. Mhm. Yeah. Which it's all about you know, children and children do that, right? Because they're not as cognitive, they do a little bit more feeling and children can sense when we're frustrated, upset or how can you tell when you do something whether it's touch, time, you know, words, gifts, uh, how can you do something and know that was not my child's love language? Like I can tell very clearly they did not like that or that just didn't do it for them. Well, paying attention to the nonverbals is really important. But some children are really hard to read. Some are not going to give mm-hmm. you any kind of indication that what you're doing is working. So if that's the case, you can straight up ask them uh, later on, after you've given them a gift, spend some time. You can just ask them, like, what kind of things do does mom do, does dad do that show you that that we love you? Mm-hmm. And children, well, you know, answer, and oftentimes it's going to be acts of service stuff because you do so much for them. Mm-hmm. Interesting story because after I did the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, with Samantha about um, the love languages for adults, I went home. And by the way, if you want to call in, please ask a comment or ask a question of Barbara, uh, 347-838-9737. Again, 347-838-9737. Just hit the number one and you can ask us whatever you need to. I went home and my son, who's 14, had listened to the show and we were eating dinner and I noticed him saying, you know, hey, Mom, um, do you want some more water? Are you thirsty? And then I, I heard him say, um, you know, Mom, your hair looks really good. And I kind of looked at him, and he, he kind of winked at me, and he said in a whisper, I'm trying to see which love language she has. And so it was really cool how he had listened to that show and had learned, maybe I should test it out. Is that a good idea for parents with their children? Just try to make a little thing or make a comment or, or kind of just put your arm on their shoulder or sit right next to I mean, should they do that or do something different? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, especially with until you can really nail down what your child's love language is, which there are free assessment tools to do that. They're easy and free to use. Um, mm-hmm. But when the child is under five years of age, those assessment tools don't really work. So just trying out, modeling the different love languages gives them exposure to it and helps them learn to kind of understand what different 
what the different love languages are. But also labeling, when you see them doing something like a child colors you a picture, then you can label that and tell them, oh, you wanted to show me how much you care about me, so you drew me a picture. Mm-hmm. And that communicates to the child, one, hey, she gets why I gave this to her. It takes it on a deeper level. It's not necessarily about, oh, how perfectly did they color this picture, because giving it to you was a relationship piece. It wasn't mm-hmm. a necessarily a tell me how good I am at drawing piece. Uh, now, my personal feeling is that women are better at this than men. That's just kind of a, a biased thing I have. But is that true, that they would pick this up a little bit better or no? Yes. I do know some men who get it, but the majority just kind of don't. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, women are nurturers, so we naturally try and look for the ways that people are feeling love, and we try and do that. We try and speak it to them. Um, but men, they kind of they kind of like to keep things a little more surface level, less complicated sometimes. So they just kind of go off of, hey, you know, we had no fights today, nobody got hurt, good day. Are they all, like, are we raising children that way? Or, like, are boys, when they're young, just predisposed, like, or could we change this? Oh, it's definitely something that can be changed. Uh, Hey, your 14-year-old is trying out love languages on his mom. That (laughs) might have something to do with being raised by two therapists. Yeah, that's true. So definitely modeling the love languages, talking about them, Labeling it when you see your child being kind to a friend, saying something nice, doing helping you with the living room. Label it. Acknowledge it. Show them that you're paying attention, and that's going to train in them, hey, that made this person happy. When I did this, that made that person happy. Mm-hmm. And when they experience how a relationship can grow – through doing nice things and making each other feel loved and happy, they're going to want to do it more. That's good. That's really good. So it's all about practicing early on then? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Let's creep up a little bit then, Barbara. Let's go into a teenager because when they get to be teenagers, you work with enough of them to know that, man, they start to get a brain that's a lot stronger, their manipulation becomes stronger, and teenagers kind of gravitate towards other teenagers. And I see it all the time with dads who veer off and kind of don't know what to do with their teenage daughter or what's going on with them so they don't spend as much time with them, and then moms kind of get frustrated. How do you do the love language thing with a teenager who kind of doesn't want anything to do with you anyway? Ah, well, that is where... If, if the parent, if the, if the teenager is resistant to the parent, it's going to be difficult for the parent to approach this with the teen. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think back on what it is they liked or did or responded to when they were a child could give you some insight, and then you just have to learn how to translate those love languages to a teenager and more away from children. So the quality time piece, 
is going to be different. Uh, perhaps the quality time is just on the drive home from school, turning off the radio and listening to your child talk about their day, just kind of mm-hmm. opening it up. It doesn't have to be real pushy. You kind of handle it a little more with kid gloves. Now, when the teenagers come in to see me, they're going to be more open sometimes in talking about me, sometimes they're or in talking with me. Uh, sometimes they're really closed off. So I kind of approach it off of what you hit on a minute ago about the manipulation piece. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, you know, tell me how this relationship with your parents is going. And it's usually, ah, they're so annoying. They don't understand. They won't leave me alone. They expect too much of me. They don't um, appreciate when I do do something right. And there's mm-hmm. just the, the love is just being miscommunicated on both ends. So I play to that manipulation piece, and I say, how would you like it if I told you that I could help give you a tool to help you figure out how to not have your parents mad at you so much or <laughs> how to get them yeah. to understand when you are trying or to see that you really do care, what if what if you had a tool that was that powerful? <laughs> they they laugh at me like, <laughs> yeah, right. But well, let's take let's take a little quiz. So I give them the love language assessment that's geared towards teenagers, and then I kind of explain to them what their love language means, and I'll say. So if it's a a receiving gifts language, say you really like it when your mom just shows up after school with um, a Gatorade for you or brings home something that when she was out shopping for you. Just little insignificant items, but they mean a lot to you. Oh, yeah, no, I really like that. Okay, <laughs> so I kind of explain to them and show them how it works in them, and then I touch on that piece of your parents have a love language too, and if you can figure it out, you they'll be like putty in your hand, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. love that. And, yes, it might seem like, oh, well, you're just teaching them to use these love languages to get what they want, but what they're really learning, the big lesson is you catch more flies with honey, and that's a great lesson to learn. It teaches them to speak love and do it respectfully. Mm -hmm. And they realize through that, hey, I'm getting a whole lot further with my parents. But that goes back to my point of, and we see parents in the office with us talking to their children, that sometimes parents can be too parenty and can try to lecture too much or try to have an ongoing, really long conversation instead of trying to relate to the teenager. And that's what um, kind of what you're describing is they have to find a way to connect with the teenager instead of making the teenager connect to them. Right. Right. And with teenagers, I see this a lot. I'll tell, for instance, a mom and daughter who are just at odds and fighting constantly, why don't you take your daughter out for a mother-daughter day? Away from the rest of the family, just go out, maybe get your nails done, 
go to the mall, walk around, see what it is she's liking, make those connections with her, and just see how she starts to open up and tell you about stuff. Mm-hmm. So there really is a difference in how you – there is a difference then between the young children and the older children, and people have to – parents have to be flexible. Now, can you tell me – this is going to put you on the spot with it, but maybe one thing moms typically don't do right when it comes to love languages in their children, and one thing dads typically don't do right. Like they just they just don't get it when it comes to this. I would say that that, that does kind of put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> well, dads would be the easiest to start, being a dad myself and knowing, okay, sometimes I just want to get the doggone answer. Like tell me the problem, what do I need to fix? What are you having trouble with? Yeah. Who upset you? Don't hang around them anymore. Done. Okay. And I, I don't think I will, as a man, always understand. Maybe I need to sit and listen. Or maybe I need to say, you know what, let's go get an icy. Or let's go get some ice cream. Like, So one thing dads are typically, I should say men, are typically um, flawed at. And one thing women or moms are typically flawed at when it comes to this. Being pushy. Being pushy and expecting them to communicate as if they were adults. They aren't. Mm-hmm. They yeah. I, they spend all day at school being asked questions, expected to know the right answer. So if you're asking questions, the pressure is really high, and they will shut down. They'll clam up and shut down. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get very far. So just... Yeah that relationship piece so that they realize, hey, this person's right here. And then they just start talking about what's on their mind. <laughs> when they realize, this person just wants to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And if a teenager says, I'd really rather not talk to my parents at all. Like, I don't even want anything to do with them. And parents are, honestly, parents want I want a better relationship with my teenager, and clearly we haven't had that. What should we do? What would you tell them? What would I tell the teenager or tell the parents? What would you tell the parents? Because typically uh, the teenagers are just like, whatever, I don't want to talk to you. And parents can't go in and say, you know, I heard this show on love languages, and I want I want to find out, like, if yours is quality time with me, if it's, um, you know, words of affirmation. They don't want to hear all these different psychobabble right. words and stuff. So what do what would it be a good thing for a parent to do to reach out and try? You can do little things. Uh, to Just to kind of get the ball rolling and test one out, put a note in their backpack. A little gift, try out the gift thing. It's a very low-pressure mm-hmm. love language. Um, they don't necessarily have to, you don't have to necessarily be present when they see the gift. Mm-hmm. but they may mention it to you later. And you may see right. a softer child when you pick them up from school. Um, mm-hmm. And then you you can kind of say, okay, well, they really appreciated that. Do more of that. Try out words of affirmation. Oh, you look really nice today. Mm-hmm. For Is it beneficial girl, at all? I'm sorry? Is it is it beneficial at all for 
parents to, I don't know, use, let's say a teenager, that they're not getting along, a parent and a teenager. Is it beneficial at all for a parent to use their media, like social media through a text message, um, a voicemail, something, just to say, hey, I was thinking of you, so that it's not this face-to-face confrontation, or should they make it just face-to-face? If that is where your child is kind of living, sometimes you have to go into their world to get their attention. Mm -hmm. So going in there, and I wouldn't do it publicly because that's just going to humiliate them, and then you have more Mm -hmm. problems. But a private little message on Facebook, or, hey, I saw this video I thought you would think is sweet, or I thought you would find funny. Um, mm-hmm. Or like you said, the text messages, just kind of communicating them, communicating with them on their own turf. It is mm-hmm. it is helpful, and you'll find that when you do more things in their world, um, especially with kids, you go and play the video game that they want to play. You might have no clue how to work that remote control, but when you go into their world, they're going to want to try and come into your world some more mm-hmm. than more than you've experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the part that I think parents, I'd say as a parent myself, but parents in general can kind of struggle with is, wait a minute, i got to go do what they want to do or I've got to go sit and watch a movie they want to watch or listen to this song that's just like I think is terrible or play this game with them that, you know, I've got a whole lot of other things to do. And that's where I wonder how important getting into your child's world and understanding how they're living is compared to, no, we're going to get together and every Saturday afternoon is going to be our family time and we're going to spend time together. So none of your friends, no TVs, no phones, and we're going to play board games and we're going to love it. And I think sometimes right. that's what parents end up doing and kind of lose the concept of love language because that doesn't communicate love at all. Like, No, that think? communicates a hostage situation. Right. Yes. Um, so, I'm definitely for designating some time where it's just family, but perhaps that's at the dinner table each night um, mm-hmm. with no electronic devices available. It doesn't have to hijack their whole Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. You may find, hey, let's invite your friend over to hang out with us all Saturday. Let's invite your friend to go to the zoo, to go to the water park. Let's invite them, and so you're not disapproving. I think children think a lot mm-hmm. of times parents are disapproving of their friends, of their choice of entertainment, uh, the fact that they're on social media. They get this, oh. I'm not going to talk to mom and dad about it because they don't understand it. But if Mm -hmm. you're showing an effort to understand it, they're going to want to explain it to you. Uh, What you said about Mm -hmm. listening to a song, that's hugely important because you really want to know what it is your children are listening to anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you see that, you know, maybe that song doesn't, doesn't communicate the best of, of lessons, life lessons to learn, or there's something in there that's just not okay, that you think it's just not what you want your child listening to, instead of attacking their choice in music, talk about it with them. 
oh, what do you think they mean when they mm-hmm. say blah, blah, blah in the song? Huh. Yeah. And kind of lead them to it gently and with love and with interest in what it is that's important to them. Okay, so this segues me into, like you mentioned, phones and music and things kids do. Sometimes they get in trouble. What do you do when kids get in trouble to still preserve the love languages? Because let's take a younger child, a five-year-old, who hits their sister and or throws food and gets in trouble. A lot of times parents' techniques are timeout where maybe when the timeout's over, they hug and say, okay, we're not going to do that anymore, we're going to go have a great rest of the day, and the child may still be mad or frustrated, or a teenager who um, got in trouble and did something they weren't supposed to, and the parents are like, you know, that's it, you're not going out with your friends the rest of the summer, Uh, you're not going to have your phone, you know, and how do parents preserve still communicating, I care about you, I understand you're not happy with me, and it's okay. I'm not going to fight that. But a lot of parents take it real personally, Barbara, like, you know, don't you dare have that tone with me or don't you dare, you know, roll your eyes at me. But at some point we have to say, you know, it's okay for our children to not like us and it's okay for our children to be frustrated, but that doesn't mean we stop communicating a love language, which is not giving them things and making it okay but still showing them, I'm disciplining your behavior, but I'm not, like, withholding my love from you. So what do they do during discipline times to still do the love language thing? It really is dependent on the child's love language. If Mm -hmm. you take a child who doesn't care at all about quality time, that's really not their thing, then sending them to their room for infinite number of days you're grounding them to their room for an hour or a time out alone for 30 minutes they don't care they don't want to be around you right now anyway so mm-hmm. that's not going to be a very uh beneficial consequence for whatever they did now some children don't respond well to the lecturing piece because mm-hmm. it and it's they may be a words of affirmation person so that is really hard for them so it's really important like you said um to say to start it off i care about you and then state what it was that they did that was not okay that was inappropriate but then also state why cuz you know your child you know why they did this you do not need them to admit it They're not going to. They don't necessarily know why they're acting out. Mm -hmm. It's oftentimes just an impulsive action. So state what it is they did and why they did it. Mm -hmm. And if you're wrong, they'll tell you you're wrong. But it preserves that, okay, my message did get across. My mom is listening to me. My dad does understand. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes those acts of rebellion or just acting out are then trying to communicate what they can't use the words to say. Mm-hmm. So and it preserves it true, that it, connection. If, if touch is not a biggie uh, to a child or even a teenager, and a parent, come over here, give me a hug, let's get a hug, and let's, will that be like a negative? Will that cause a problem? 
it can. Um, it's you, it's really important to know also what which love languages your child is very low on, um, or anybody you're relating to is very low on because it can be more agitating. I'll use myself for example. Mm-hmm. I am very skewed towards quality time and physical touch. I am extremely mm-hmm. low on words of affirmation, receiving gifts, and acts of service. Mm-hmm. So when I am complimented, I feel really awkward. And I don't really mm-hmm. know what to say, but social experience has taught me that I just feel awkward but smile and say thank you and perhaps <laughs> return the compliment. Mm-hmm. Whereas a child feels that awkwardness, and all they know is it feels uncomfortable. So it could be more aggravating to them. Mm -hmm. So they really have to have these love languages developed and nurtured, Mm -hmm. know what to do with them. Um, And knowing that what your child is low on, you can kind of help them learn to be comfortable with it because they're going to encounter other people's love languages. They're going to encounter people that speak very different languages. So when it was really difficult for me to accept a compliment, somebody, you know, the person complimenting, uh, this was in in a particular dating relationship I was in, um, Mm -hmm. he would compliment me and I would get an awkward look on my face and he would say, just say thank you. And I would say, Thank you, and he goes, see, that wasn't so hard. So you can do that with your children. When you notice that a particular love language doesn't really work well with them, don't force it on them, but show them how to handle it. Show them how to respond to it. Now, that brings up the point for me of, like, we tend to love other people with what matters to us. So if words of affirmation are big to me, and I tend to, which I do, give a lot of other people words of affirmation and thanks and gratitude and all that, it it may be upsetting or offensive to me if people don't, man, I just gave them a compliment and they didn't even. But that's where I want you to talk about, like, that we're doing the love language communication to help another person not to get a feel good for us. You know, and that's where parents, I think, struggle with, wait a minute, we can't just do the love language. If gifts is mine and I just go around giving gifts and then I get upset or insulted because they didn't appreciate it a whole lot, well, then I was doing it for the wrong reason. So what do we need to do about that? Uh, that that's a real good point. Um, we have to be aware of our own personal love languages and what it is we're going to naturally tend to do. And then we need to concentrate on learning to speak the other love languages because your child may have a very different one than you. So learning yourself to be intentional with speaking every love language is very key, and it's going to teach your child to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, because... Do I? Model for them speaking all of the love languages. Yeah, I think, and that's what I was going to ask you, uh, since we're running short on time, was you talked about there are assessment tools and places to go. 
do you know of any that people can go to to like, all right, if you want to find out what your love language is, do this. Like go to this place or go to this website or any. Absolutely. Um, The website is www.5lovelanguages, the number five, five lovelanguages.com. And it will give you options for, um, for, Assessments for children ages five to eight, which looks it looks different because the the ones for children nine to twelve, the teenagers, the adults, for singles, for couples in a relationship, <laughs> the questions there are varied. But for children five to eight, they're not going to sit there and listen to a list of of Would you rather have a hug or go watch a movie together? They're not going mm-hmm. to sit there and listen to a list of those questions. Mm-hmm. So instead, you got to make it like a game. Um, and th- this website gives a really good um, kind of description of how you can approach this with your young children. And then it also provides the assessments for the older children and how to approach it with them. Um, mm-hmm. And then as well as you know, teenagers. And it also gives them resources for working with the younger children, there's a book that was written that is a great exposure for love languages and beginning to understand them. And it's called A Perfect Pet for Peyton. And it was created by the same people who created these love language assessments. And they have all the information on this website about this book, about the assessments, and how to use them. So www.5lovelanguages.com, that's awesome. Okay, Barbara, last question. If people are struggling, like let's say parents are struggling and, and you know they're just having trouble with their kids at home or having trouble with their teenagers and want to get their family more connected, a lot of times what I see happen is, and this is just a classic example, mom picks up a book, goes to the website, she does all the reading and the studying of it. She figures out what these love languages are, and then she tries to go teach everybody what they are, namely her husband who doesn't want to listen. And it just kind of discombobulates, and nobody wants to be a part of it. Now, I like the idea of kind of taking all of what you've said at this website and with a book or an activity and being able to use it in, you know, just start developing a a family afternoon or a family evening or something fun, whether it's pizza or ice cream or something. And I love seeing families try to figure out what each other's love language is. Like, of these five things, what do you think matters more to me? And using it, like you said, in a fun way, what can people do if they're stuck? Do they need to go sit with a therapist like you? Do they need to pick up a book? Do they need to look at the website? What's the best next step for people who want to know more about the love languages and change the family? Well, I would definitely suggest to parents that they attempt using these assessments and tools, um, but knowing your family, your family's going to be unique. You'll know what what they're going to respond to. You may try, and especially if you have small children, read the book, maybe mention it in conversation. Oh, I heard something interesting on the radio today about love languages when you're talking to your teenager and say, I I wonder who can figure out 
what everybody's love language in this family is. Let's make a competition of it. So let's take this week and let's see if you can figure out your dad, your mom, your brothers, your sister's love language, and then we'll all come together and see who is right. We'll take these assessments and see who is right. Mm-hmm. It can be a fun game. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah, even direct really your children for, hey, this is how you can kind of figure out what they are. Try out some of these things on on your dad. Try out some of these things on your mom. Try out doing these different love languages in your own way and see what people respond to and collect up these clues and then we'll take the test and see who figured out the mystery of the family's love languages. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the thing that you mentioned with that is be intentional about it and try to make something consistent happen. So many families don't come together and deal with things until there's a big problem. And at that point, teenagers aren't going to talk. The kids don't know what the heck's going on. And they don't have this steady – it's funny, like in my house, if anybody calls a family meeting, well, we all have to run – not run, but we have to close up what we're doing and we go down to the living room and we all sit and we talk because we call a a love love meeting, a family meeting, because (laughs) we want something changed, like – uh, I don't like how I'm having to go to bed that early or uh, I really want to go uh, to this place this weekend and y'all said we can't. Like we, we have big – or I don't like the way that the your bedrooms have been and I want to be able to talk about that. Like it's used as a conversation piece. It's not used to put people down or to shame people. But I think what you're saying is be consistent and be intentional with it. Absolutely. And one of the things that you'll – you may run into in trying to figure this out. If you're just getting nowhere, the child isn't responding to anything, interactions are not improving, then there might be a deeper problem. So at that point, come and see somebody who's experienced uh, professional in how families communicate. Come in and have your child sit down with me and I'll go through the love language assessment with them because perhaps it was not done in a way, in a setting where the child can really, you can really get a good reading on the child's Mm -hmm. love language or the child wasn't in a good mood. Um, You know, I've had it, and this, this was what really started intriguing me about love languages in children is Giving a child an assessment, they test as they they assess as someone who is really big on words of affirmation, but they are constantly resistant to it. Uh, they test high on physical touch, but constantly resistant to it, and that is mm-hmm. a bigger problem because that indicates yeah. that your child is resisting being loved. So then we really need yeah. to look at why are they resisting being loved by you. Yeah, and so sometimes they need to look into professional different. help. Yeah, yeah and, and it is good to have a, a professional on hand. Barbara, I hate to cut you off. We need to do this show again because our time is running out. And I just want to thank you for being on the show. And people can find out more about you at TomStevens.us, right? TomStevens.us. And Absolutely. also there's an app in the App Store or in the Google Play Store. If you search under Tom Stevens, you'll find it. You'll get more information on Barbara. 
what she does. And if you want to schedule an appointment, definitely go there. So, Barbara Huber, thanks so much for being on the show. And it was a blast. A lot of information. Again, go to Facebook. Search under Tom Stevens Counseling, Consulting, and Motivational Speaking. Go to the App Store and get our app or just TomStevens.us and you can find out more. Remember, next week, social media, especially for teenagers. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for being here, and we will talk to you all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.